Great message. We can always trust the Lord. All right, well today we're going to have a pop quiz. How many of you like to hear that? <laughs> oh, that'd be good. That would yeah, make it more enjoyable, wouldn't it? Yeah. Or, or, or pop as well with the popcorn. Candy bar, all right. Boy, sounds like a plan. Well, the pop quiz will continue to next week, too. We'll continue on, so. <laughs> oh, my, that's one of those things you kind of dread in school uh, when you come into the class and the teacher says, pop quiz. And if you've been studying and doing your homework like you should, it shouldn't be a problem, right? You should, you should be okay, but if you haven't been doing what you're supposed to, then you're, then you're in big trouble. And I think... You know, that's just kind of what came to my mind here as I, as I was studying this in Luke 17, in these, well, the first 19 verses, which we'll, you know, we'll finish that out next week, but it, I think the Lord is, in a sense, giving a pop quiz to, to the disciples. He's been giving all these parables, and he's been talking to the Pharisees as well, the, the hypocrites, and he talked to them about not loving money divorce, about hell, and all those things. But now he, he turns back to the disciples, as you see right there at the beginning of verse 1 of Luke 17, and he said to his disciples, uh, these are the followers, the ones who, who believe in God and were following Jesus Christ. And as he's speaking to his disciples, he's speaking to us as well, who follow Christ, who love him. And this pop quiz, really, there's at least five different categories, uh, several different things we'll look at, but really there's the first section this morning we're going to look at is how do we relate with other people? How do I live with others? You know, we, we don't live the Christian life in isolation, though sometimes we're, we're tempted to, hey, I just stay to myself, everything will go better. <laughs> no, we, we relate with people, and we, we live, you know, we are sinners ourselves, but we live in a, in a world full of sinners, and at times it's difficult, right? Uh, but here we're going to see some principles this, this morning in, the, in these four verses about how to deal with people. Um, how, how do I live with others? How am I doing in, in my relationships? And some, some pointed questions here, as, as we'll see this, this morning about being a stumbling block, about forgiveness, about re- rebuking sin, all these different things. Next week we'll look at faith, that's really the, the theme next week, um, and obedience and thankfulness and all that. But let's, let's go ahead and read this text, uh, Luke 17, 1 through 4. And he said to his disciples, Temptations to sin are sure to come. But woe to the one through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck, and, if, and he were cast into the sea, than that he should cause one of these little ones to sin. Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day, and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, 
we, we thank you today for your word. We thank you that it is the authority in our lives, and that's how you speak to us now. And we thank you for passages like this that help us to understand practically how we can live, how we should live before you and how we live with others. And we know that, that so many people, including ourselves, we're greedy, we, we, uh, we're selfish, we, Lord, we think about ourselves first, we're sinful. Lord, I just pray you'd forgive us of our sin, help us to show the love of God to one another and to, to please you with our, with our relationships. Lord, I pray you'd speak through me, I pray you'd fill me with your spirit. Help me to say only those things that you'd have me to say that would be helpful. And I pray today that everyone here would be, Lord, that we'd be open and attentive to your word and willing to be doers of the word, not just hearers only, deceiving ourselves. And Lord, we just pray today for your blessing. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So this pop quiz. And some important questions, I've kind of organized it with some questions. Hopefully you have a note sheet. You can fill in some blanks here. We can stay on the same page. But the, uh, the first one here is, am I a stumbling block? Here as we evaluate our lives, how do I relate with other people? Am I a stumbling block? Now, it, it says in, uh, well, at least in the ESV, the version that I use here, uh, it says, temptations to sin are sure to come. And then later on, it, it, it says, uh, well, yeah, temptations to sin. And at the end of verse 2, it, it says, sin again. Um, well, I do have a little footnote, and maybe your Bible has a footnote as well, a little number right beside sin. And if you look at the bottom of the page, at least in my Bible, it says stumbling blocks in, in the Greek. And that's... Literally what that word means, stumbling block. Um, Temptations to sin or to stumble are sure to come, Christ says. Um, Some some versions actually say stumbling block. Um, Offenses, I I think, is what the King James says here. Uh, But the, the word there in the original, in the Greek, as it's written originally, is scandalon. It's where we get our word scandal from. Uh, and it's a, it's a hunting term, and it's, it's uh, used uh, as a, uh, it, it's the word for a trap stick. You have a, you, have a, uh, you set a, a stick as a trigger, and in comes the prey, sets off the, the, uh, the trap there, and, you know, they're, they're caught in the snare. And that's the same word here. They stumble. They are, they're caught. Um, Am I a stumbling block? And here spiritually, when we think about being a stumbling block, you know, am I, you know, the question we need to ask is, is there something in my life that causes somebody else to sin? Is there something that tempts some, somebody to, to want to sin? And if there is, we need to straighten up our lives and to correct whatever it is in our life that might cause them to sin. Um, now here he's talking to, to the believers, to his disciples. Uh, but there are, there are times, there are things in our lives, if we're honest with ourselves, that, that may cause others to stumble spiritually and fall into sin. 
Um, how do we? How does this happen? Well, um, there's there's really some different ways here. I, I found what J.C. Ryle wrote here, and it very it's very helpful. But he he basically just to sum up what he wrote here, he says unbelievers cause cause Christians to stumble by persecution, by making you know by making it uh, seem like being being a Christian is not a good thing, and they you know. They do all sorts of things to persecute. That's a way of, of causing someone to stumble. But here he's talking to believers. Um, how does a believer cause another believer to stumble? Well, I think it's through living a, a lukewarm, backslidden life. A life that, that looks like the world. And if we live a life that, that just isn't on fire for God and we just blend right in with the wickedness of our day, people can't tell if we're a Christian or not. Um, young believers or other other believers see our life and say, "Well, I guess it's okay to do that. It's okay to do this because so and so is doing it," and and you and you become a stumbling block. Um, you make Christianity look bad. I mean, I've I've heard people say, and perhaps you've heard people say as well. You know, I. I would never step foot in a church because it's full of hypocrites. <laughs> have, have, you, have you ever heard something like that? And may, may, maybe you've said that at one point in your life. But that's, that's the idea here, uh, uh, that we are stumbling blocks through, through hypocritical lives. And the world sees that and says, well, they have the same struggles I do. They act the same way. They use the same filthy language I do and... and so on and so forth. Why would I want anything that, that, that they have to say? Uh, why, why would I want to go there? Um, look at verse, um, let's see here. It says, you know, verse 2 says, uh, little ones. Right there at the end of the verse. Um, these little ones to sin. Now, I, I think it's, you know, the idea here, and, and most of the, the commentaries I read to say that really refers to to believers that's people who are new in the faith they are spiritual infants they're just you know they've believed and they're just starting the the process of spiritual growth learning what it's all about to walk with the Lord and when you as maybe a a more seasoned Christian uh, you know the ins and outs uh you know, just live a life that, you know, perhaps you're backslidden and just not really walking with God as you should. You cause them to stumble. Um, so what's the solution? Well, we, each of us in our lives needs to, needs to, you know, walk with God, and we need to make Christianity beautiful in the, uh, in the lives of the lost and, and even the new believers. Let's do everything we can to make Christ and Christianity beautiful. It is wonderful to be a Christian, right? Do you believe that? Yeah, absolutely. I do too. There's so many blessings that come with knowing the Lord and walking with Him. Um, That doesn't mean you'll have an easy road, but we we have Christ with us through the trials. Um, You know, the cross is offensive enough. You think of the gospel and the cross and telling people they are sinners on their way to hell. I mean, that's offensive. Uh, let's not add to the offense with, with our lives that don't match up with the gospel, with lives that are inconsistent. And 
you know, not consistent with Christianity. Uh, it says here, when I look back at verse 1, temptations to sin or to stumble are sure to come, but he says, woe to the one through whom they come. Woe to that person. This Something terrible is going to happen to that person. Now, yeah, he, he's right saying temptations to, to sin come. And there are constantly temptations. I mean, Satan, as, as, as we know from Peter, prowls around like, like a roaring lion seeking someone to, de, to devour. And we're constantly under temptation and attack. But he says here, woe to the one through whom they come. Temptations are going to happen, but they shouldn't be happening through you. And if they do, you're in for some judgment yourself. Um, And look at this. Verse 2 is quite an interesting verse here. Uh, It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were cast into the sea. What a picture. A millstone. Now, we don't uh, have millstones and, and, and grind flour or press olives that way, but I did find, find this picture here. This is what he's talking about here. Uh, a millstone. Here you have the, um, the, you know, the nether stone there on the bottom, but the big stone up on top, you move around with this piece of wood and you crush the olives, you grind the grain into flour, all that. Very heavy. And can you imagine here, Christ says, it's better, if you're going to be somebody who's going to tempt someone else to sin, it's, it would be better, it'd be better for you to put a millstone, hang, hang it around your neck, and, and be cast into the sea. I mean, to commit suicide, or to, to certain death. It'd be better for you to die than to be a stumbling block. Um, this, this great weight... Uh, as, you, as you think about the, the judgment of God in, in, in your life uh, for causing some, someone to sin. Um, so we need to be very careful in our, in our lives as we walk with the Lord. Make sure that the decisions we make and the things we do please the Lord. People are watching. You may think, well, hey, I, I can do anything I want. It's, it's my life. <laughs> well, other people are watching. You have a family that's watching you. You have other people watching you. Um, and if they see th- you doing questionable things, you know, maybe with entertainment or things you buy, things you do, they, they may follow in your footsteps, and you need to watch out. The second question is, am I paying attention? Uh, that's the beginning of verse 3 here. Am I paying attention? The ESV says, pay attention to yourself. Right there at the beginning of verse 3. Uh, the NASB says, be on your guard. King James, take heed to yourselves. We need to watch out. We need to beware. And this word is often translated in the New Testament, beware. Uh, be on your guard is the literal uh, translation. As we, as we think about our lives and the, the damage we can do in the spiritual lives of others who are walking with the Lord, we need to be careful. We need to pay attention to ourselves. It's not just a suggestion. This is, this is a command. Uh, pay attention to yourselves. Um, and, and one of the benefits to looking at the original in the Greek, this, the tense of this word, it's actually one word in the Greek, it's 
It's present active. So this is continuous. This is present tense. It's not just a one-time look to yourself. No, this is a continual action. We, We are to continually look at our lives. We're to continually look at the things we're doing so we are not stumbling blocks. Um, this is something that we should ever be aware of all the time. Um, present tense, it's imperative, it's, it's a command. It's not just a suggestion. This is something we are expected to, to do. Uh, and it's plural. This is for everyone. Uh, we, we are all to, we're all to do this. Um, Acts 20, verse 28 says, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock. Here's Paul's talking to pastors. Pay careful attention to yourself and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Pay careful attention not just to, your, to all the flock, but to yourselves. And the same goes for all, all Christians uh, as we live for the Lord. We need to watch over our lives. See, see if there's things we need to clean up or get rid of, stop doing, uh, so we're not a hindrance. I like how Warren Wearsby put it. He says what this means is this means that we should lovingly watch over each other and do all we can to keep one, one another from sinning. And we do need to, at times, just look at the situation, look at our lives. Is there something I am doing that could cause somebody else to not be walking as closely with God as they could? Um, And that may mean that you stop doing something that might even be a good thing, that that could become an idol. Um, So let's continually be on on the lookout. Then the third one here, am I rebuking sin? As you go on there in verse 3, it says, Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. Rebuke him. Um, you know, our, our society, our culture tells us that tolerance equals sin. Or, uh, love, I mean. Tolerance equals love. To just, we just let people do and, and be whatever they want. I mean, we hear this all the time from, from society. Just... You know, anything you want to do, anything you identify as, uh, fine. I can't say anything negative about you. That's not love. Uh, the opposite is true. Letting a person live in sin and not saying anything, not confronting them lovingly, is very unloving. It's, it's cruel and hateful. Uh, Paul wrote to the Christians in Ephesus, and he talked, he was right there in Ephesians 4, 15, he had just finished talking about error and false teaching, and, and there are times, there's a lot, a lot of false teaching even today. We, we need to discern the things we hear and read. But he, he said, you know, there are so many people who are led astray with what they hear. But he said, there, there is a time to be speaking the truth in love. Uh, that's, you know, we, we need to tell people what's true. And that could even be in something that they're doing. You know, as, we, as we live our lives and we notice something you know, in the life of another Christian, uh, they have fallen into sin and there's some grievous sin that is just it's controlling them. 
it's, you know, they are, they're trapped. And maybe we've tempted them to fall into that sin. Uh, but here, he says, you need to rebuke him. Rebuke him. Uh, that This isn't something that, like I mentioned, we, we are told, you know, society says we should do, but you know, as Christians we should. We're to speak the truth in love. Um, I, I, I thought it was really interesting, looking at that word for rebuke. And you think of rebuking somebody, that, you know, usually there's a negative connotation. You know, you're confronting sin. Who, you know, most people don't, don't want to do that. Uh, but it, the word actually means to, to put honor upon. To put honor upon. When you rebuke somebody, you actually honor that person. That just seems backward in, in, in my mind. Why, why would that be? You actually put honor upon them because you are helping them. You are helping them to see the error of their ways and, and that they need to confess that sin and for, forsake it. So, you know, we, we, are to, we are to help other people notice that there is sin in their life that needs to be uh, dealt with. Um, now, we aren't to just go around, though, and be judgmental and constantly just looking at other people and for, people, for somebody to rebuke. No, we're not to do that. But if you notice somebody who is in in a major sin, and you know, if if God lays it on your heart to rebuke them, to confront that sin, be be willing to do it. Rebuke him, but but you know, do it in a loving way. Rebuke him. Um, are you are you willing to call sin sin? You know, you look at the example of Christ. Uh, and you know, there are all sorts of examples of Christ with his disciples, who, you know, we often look at the twelve, the twelve apostles as such holy and spiritual men. When they were really, uh, they had weak faith. They were selfish. They were uh, at times lazy. I mean, they were just. There were times when they weren't very spiritual, and Christ re- rebuked them. Um, go back just a few chapters to Luke nine if you would. Luke chapter 9. We were here about a, about a year ago. And the disciples, you know, it says in verse 46, Luke nine forty six, an argument arose among them, that's the disciples, as to which of them was the greatest. Here they're arguing about who is the greatest of the apostles. Well, how selfish can you be? Um, and then, then later on, down to verse uh, 49, John answered, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he does not follow with us. And, you know, it's just basically the apostles were elevating themselves and thinking, hey, if you're not part of the 12 apostles, you're a nobody. You can't perform miracles. You can't cast out demons. Um, there's this selfishness and... Um, all this stuff, but look down at verse fifty-five. After you know all these things, they're just acting selfishly and sinfully. What does Jesus do? But he turned and rebuked them. He he rebuked them. He told them, "Hey, you're you're in the wrong." You know, you, I, I I wish we we could have the words there that he used. 
but I'm sure it wasn't very pleasant, and they didn't enjoy hearing that, how selfish they were. But back to Luke 17 here. But, th- but there is a time to call sin, sin. Just to tolerate any and every sin is not loving. It's not Christian. We do need to confront and rebuke sin. Uh, and then the last one here, am I forgiving sin? Am I forgiving sin? Now, of all these questions, this may be the most difficult and the most important as well. Forgiveness. Um, it says here, if your brother, in verse 3, sins, rebuke him, and if he repents, for, forgive him. And then he goes on, if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. Um, Forgiveness is essential to the Christian life. Every Christian has been forgiven. Uh, we've, we've been forgiven of our sins uh, you know, through faith in Christ, and he died on the cross to, to pay the punishment of our sin. But forgiveness means re- release. It means release. And I want you to... Uh, came across this. When, when we forgive, we release them, somebody who's wronged us, We've, we re, 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 release them from their debt to us. And when we forgive, we release ourselves from bitterness and anger. And it's very important. As a Christian, if we have been wronged, we need to forgive. Uh, even if they don't ask for it. You, you forgive them in your heart. Uh, you release them from the debt against you. And you release yourself from bitterness and anger. From that poison that eats away at your soul. It does much more harm to you than it even does to them. Um, a friend of mine um, shared some quotes here that, that, would, that would help us here. He who angers you controls you. Would, would you agree with that? Yeah, he who angers you con- controls you. And if you are just so upset with somebody and you refuse to forgive them in your heart, they, just, they control you and... and Day after day, it gets worse and worse, and you just can't stop thinking about how terrible that person is. Um, and then this here is important, too. Holding a grudge is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. It hurts you a lot more than it hurts them. Um, boy, it's, it's like drinking poison. Um, don't hold a grudge. Quickly and immediately... Forgive. Um, you know, we, we need to do that. We've, we've been forgiven more than we'll ever have to forgive. And I think that's so, so important to remember. You think of how much we've been forgiven by God. We've been forgiven of all our sins. Uh, and in our sinful selfishness, sometimes we, we just struggle to release somebody for something they did to us. And we, you know, it just eats away at our soul. We become bitter. Uh, and it's terrible. Where would we be without the forgiveness of God? Where, where would we be? I mean, we'd, we'd be lost and hopeless. We'd be on our way to hell. We, we would be, you know, you know we, we'd, we'd be on our way to punishment. Um, what if we don't for, for, forgive? I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 6. What if we don't forgive? What if you just 
withhold forgiveness. You say, well, they don't deserve it. I'm not going to forgive that person for what they did. Well, look what Jesus says in Matthew 6. Starting in verse 9, and this is the Lord's Prayer. Pray then like this, he says in verse 9, Matthew 6, 9. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And then look at verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Um, Wow, those are some some pointed verses. Uh, And, you know, we are all wronged from time to time. And there are people who get on our nerves and who do sin against us. We as Christians must forgive them com- completely and instantaneously, um, com- completely, uh, continually even. But you know, we've been forgiven by God. How can we withhold the forgiveness that he's given to us, with- withhold it from others? Um, if we don't forgive, God won't forgive us. And he says that there even in verse 12. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. If you are just refusing to forgive somebody, God refuses to forgive you. (laughs) Those are some heavy verses. Um, But it's true. Mark, Mark 11, 25 says this, And whenever you stand praying, forgive. And if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father uh, also who is in heaven may, may, may forgive your trespasses. Uh, forgive. We are to forgive. Um, so you just look at your life. Is there somebody you need to forgive? Is there somebody who, um, that you have not re- released from a debt done, done to you? Um, you know, some people, they refuse to forgive or they threaten the person who has wronged them with, hey, I, I might forgive you eventually. Or they just hold it over that person. A Christian should never, never do that. We should forgive completely and quickly. Um, if you've been forgiven by God, it should, it should not be a struggle to forgive. Um, if you're somebody who can't forgive... I think you honestly need to evaluate your salvation. If, if you can't forgive others, and you're okay living a life like that, maybe you don't know the Lord. Uh, examine your heart. Um, J.C. Ryle said this, An unforgiving and quarrelsome spirit is the surest mark of an unregenerate heart. That's true. I, I totally agree. If you cannot forgive... And you have, you have that quarrelsome spirit. You you may not be saved. Um, if you've truly been born again and forgiven, 
you should you should find it easy to forgive others uh, of those wrongs done to you. First John four twenty and twenty one such important verses. Uh, if 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 anyone says I love God and hates his brother, I guess we could here in the context say if you if you refuse to forgive your brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this is the commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. And that's agape love. That's the, the love God shows to us where you decide to, you, you choose to love. Even if you don't have that warm, fuzzy feeling of love within you, you still choose to love and put the other person before yourself. Um, but it's a, it's a very serious matter. Are you willing to forgive? Um, if you are saved, and just you choose not to forgive. Again, I, going back to what I just said, if, if you believe you know the Lord, but you just you can't forgive others, or there's somebody you can't forgive, then you, you may not be saved. But if you are, you're backslidden, and you're asking for God's judgment and, and his chastening in, in, your, in your life. And when we, when we uh, refuse to for, for, forgive others, we're out of fellowship with God. And, and we won't be blessed by God. Um, so here we're talking about the relationships with other people. Uh, anyone. It could be a, a spouse. It could be a sibling a friend, an enemy, a classmate, a neighbor, whoever it could be, somebody who has wronged you, anybody who has wronged you, you need to forgive. Release them from the debt and release yourself from the bitterness. Um, now, look at verse 3, back to Matthew, uh, Luke 17, verse 3. Very interesting thing Christ says here. In verse 3, it says, Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. We already looked at that. And if he repents, for, forgive him. So you say, well, there are some people, and those people who I think find it hard to forgive, who say, well, hey, they didn't say they're sorry. I don't have to forgive them. <laughs> no, that's a lie from the devil. If somebody sins against you, you, you forgive them if you know the Lord. Uh, here, What he's talking about here, what Jesus is saying is if somebody sins against you and they come up and ask for forgiveness, yes, you have to forgive them. But if they don't ask, you still forgive them. And you know, we, we look at the example of Christ himself on the cross uh, as, you know, I think, the clearest example. He was dying on the cross, being you know, killed. He didn't do, do anything wrong. And he said, Father, for, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He had forgiveness in his heart when there was no repentance from those who were, who were crucifying him. Um, but here, the, the point is, if somebody does repent, you're not to hold it over their heads and say, yeah, you need to prove it. You need to prove that you're sorry. No, if they, they ask, you forgive. But you forgive anyway. Um, with forgiveness, when you... When you forgive, you, you can enjoy fellowship with others. Um, 
Now, it might not, might not always be easy, but you can. And we do enjoy the fellowship of God, you know, when we, when we forgive. Um, if we choose not to forgive, without forgiveness, we choose a hard and difficult life. A life of, of discipline and bitterness and isolation and judgment. I mean, we, we just, we bring on so much trouble, we bring so much trouble in, into our lives when we choose to just harbor resentment and refuse to forgive. Uh, And then look at verse 4. This is amazing. If someone sins against you seven times, you think of a major sin somebody has committed against you, imagine they do it seven times in a day. And elsewhere, I I forget where it was, uh, Peter, I think it was, asked, what if it was 70 times? you're, you're to forgive. You're just to be in the habit of forgiving. I think that's the point. Don't keep score. I've found from personal experience, when you keep score and you are writing down every, every offense uh, and refusing to forgive, you become more bitter and you become more judgmental with everything you write down. And that's not how a Christian should be. Don't keep track. Just forgive Colossians 3:13 Bearing with one another and if anyone has a complaint against if 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 anyone has a complaint against another forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you so you also must forgive Colossians 3:13 As we've been forgiven we must forgive you know, that's this is you know that, that's how simple it is uh, we should we should do it um, and that, you know, it doesn't make it easy, but it's right. And that's, you know, we, we do experience the blessing of fellowship uh, and restoration when we forgive. Um, so the main idea this, this morning is Christians should never tempt others to sin and always be willing to confront and forgive others, or for, for, forgive the sins of others. So here... Here with the pop quiz, hopefully, hopefully you passed the uh, test. Um, you know, we we need to continually be asking these these questions as we as we examine our hearts. How am I relating with other people? Um, you know, just you know, just some questions here. Are you tempting others to sin? As you, as you think about your life, is there something that God is laying on your heart? Something that you just, you're burdened about and you realize, hey, I need to stop doing that. Because people are watching me. Uh, well, you know, because it's, it's wrong in the first place. But I don't want to lead others astray. Repent and begin, begin to obey Christ in every area. Um, is there a sin you need to, need to rebuke or to confront? Do you... Do you need to go and, and talk to somebody who who is trapped in a sin? Maybe they don't even see the error of, of their ways. But do you do you need to talk to them? Do you need to rebuke them? Um, do it in love. Do it with humility. And care. Huh. And do you need to forgive someone? We you know as we come to the communion table here in just a little bit. 
we need to make sure we're right with everyone else. I mean, if you need to forgive somebody, or you, you need to ask some, someone to forgive you, uh, do that first, and then part, partake. You know, wait, wait till next month. You don't want to invite God's judgment on your life. But even, you know, just every, every day as we live for the, for the Lord, we should be asking that. Am I right with other people? Am I right with my brothers and sisters in Christ? Am I right with those I live with? Um, you know, these, are, these are important things. May, may, may we be found pleasing to God. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you today for the message of your word. We thank you for the words of our Lord. Here as he's talking about our lives and how we relate with other people. Help us to live lives that are holy, that are godly, that are upright, that don't tempt other people to sin. Lord, help us to help us to be constantly aware of the life that we live and, and give us wisdom and direction. Help us to be willing to confront sin. If help us to do it in humility and love, um, where where that's appropriate. And Lord, help us to be able to forgive and to ask for forgiveness as well. Help us to be willing to be right with everyone, even those whom it's difficult to forgive. Lord, we know you've forgiven us completely. Help us to do the same with those we live with. And Lord, we, we thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.